Hello and welcome to the Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week is Tori. Hello, Internet. And nobody else. Everyone else bailed on us. Uh, Craig's at a board game convention and Dave has to work like like some kind of a jerk with a job. Um, so yeah, we do. We start with good thing. Tori, what's your good thing this week? Uh, so I have just discovered this awesome piece of fan art uh, over at secondbreakfast.com. And it is actually breakfast, like Lego bricks. I, I didn't suddenly develop a New Zealand accent there. Secondbreakfast.com. It's the work of a guy named Rick Martin, who does Lego art. And so he has done scenes from some of his favorite literature, which would be Brandon Sanderson, Patrick Rothfuss, and Robert Jordan. And uh, it looks like the site has been up for a couple of years, so everybody else has probably heard of it already, but... He's got Lego scenes from Mistborn and Stormlight Archive. Like, he's recreated Shallan's notes in Lego. And he's got little, uh, he's assembled little Lego chess sets uh, with the different characters from, there was one for Mistborn and there's one for Elantris. And uh, they're just so fun. Uh, I'm... I'm not like the biggest fan of Lego in the world, but um, my father-in-law actually has so many Legos that there's a line for them in the will. Like they have to be divided between my husband and his brother. So Legos are kind of a thing in my family. And um, I very much enjoy this guy's work. So Rick Martin at secondbreakfast.com. Go look at it. I am looking at it, and this is freaking sweet. Hey, there's a chasm fiend. Yes! Uh, He also made Cosmere Unikitties. Yes, yes, I like those. (laughs) I I actually, I keep a Unikitty uh, at my computer desk, so there's a special place in my heart for Unikitty. And uh, I was very impressed with relevant to our latest chapters, uh, he's done the ball at Keep Venture, and it looks frickin' sweet. Oh, that's that's a full album. Okay, hang on. Aw, there's so much going on. Right? Okay, this is super cool. This is, this is all brand new to me, and holy crap, how much is this dude spending on Legos? Probably a lot. Because, like, they ain't cheap. Right, and he's got a lot of custom pieces and decals and um, I didn't delve very far into the how it's made section of each album. Uh, So at the bottom of each album under the pictures, he talks a little bit about the builds. And so he talks about if he ordered custom pieces from there are people who do custom Lego pieces who knew. Well, apparently this guy knew. Uh, So (laughs) He talks about what he ordered and from where and how he made things. And uh, like, for example, the Inquisitors, he he straight up has little nails through these tiny Lego head eye holes. And he talks about how he um, pre-drilled the holes with a jeweler's drill and then just pounded some tiny nails in there. But um Anyway, it's a lot of fun. What? Requested page can't be found. Oh no, I wanted to see Vin battling a Steel Inquisitor. How about the Lord Ruler? No, that's not working either. Why aren't these working? 
Steel Inquisitors. I maybe Nothing. Okay, I'm. I Look think at it been, later. I, th- I think I think I broke my internet. I tried to load Reddit earlier and it broke. So, yeah, I think I broke the internet. Um. So yeah, your good thing is way cooler than mine. Well, what's um, yours? Well, mine is a band called the Rocket Boys that my wife and I have seen uh, live twice. Uh, the first time was at Summerfest a couple of years ago, which is Summerfest is this big um, week-long series of concerts uh, at the lakefront in Milwaukee. Uh, we went to see Weird Al, who was the first night closer, one of the first night closers. They've got they've got like ten different stages and like there's a big act closing at every single stage every night. And then, like, progressively smaller acts as, like, you go earlier in the day. You know, pretty standard for for concert setups. Um, and then, yeah, like, once you're in, you can just sort of wander stage to stage and catch whatever you feel like watching or listening to. Um, so, it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's kind of hot. We just want somewhere to sit down and get some shade and, you know, just, just relax for a little bit. Um, so we, we duck into where this band, the Rocket Boys, is playing. And we ended up staying for their whole set, which was amazing. Um, went around the back to talk to them for a few minutes and buy, you know, whatever, whatever CDs they happen to have available for sale. Uh, which that ended up being a problem because, you know, our, our method of payment was with a card because, you know, it's after the year 2000 and who has cash. Um, but, I agree. but they're the card reader on the guy's phone. Like he didn't have enough signal because it was in the middle of this giant concert festival place. Uh, so we ended up like writing him a personal check and like it went through cause you know, we're not, we're not like thieves. Uh, but you know, he kind of went out on a limb of accepting a, an out of state personal check out of state for him. Like they're out of Texas. Right. Um, anyway, we then caught them again. Uh, also playing in Milwaukee. Uh, this time they were opening for a, another fairly small act, um, at a very small venue. We were the only ones there to see the rocket boys. Um, the place wasn't exactly packed, but like everybody else that was there was there for the other band, uh, which is a band called bird talker that I didn't really care for. Like their big opener involved whistling into a microphone, which is, is just, it's a concept that I do not enjoy just, just sort of in general, if I can avoid that would be hard to do well. Yeah, if I could avoid ever listening to someone whistle into a microphone again for my entire life, that'll be pretty good. Um, anyway, the Rocket Boys. Uh, you may have heard one of their songs. Um, they have a song called Viva Voce, V-I-V-A-V-O-C-E, um, that got played on Glee. Uh, it was, I guess, one of the characters sort of introductory songs. Uh, so if you've, if you've heard anything from them, you've probably heard that, although you probably didn't realize that, you know, that was them. 
Um, but my favorite song of theirs is one called A Liar. Um, anyway, you can listen to all this stuff on YouTube. I'm not gonna try to figure out the legality of, like, playing a music sample on our podcast. I know some other podcasts do that, but I don't, I don't actually understand exactly where that, where that falls legally. And I don't want to deal with the hassle of trying to throw a music sample on here beyond, you know, what we already use as our outro music, which was all by itself kind of a pain to put together. (laughs) Um... So yeah, that's a good thing. Uh, so we read chapters 16 through 18 uh, yes, for we this did. week. And that begins part three. Yes. So what happened? All right. Referring to my notes here. Chapter 16. Here we start part three. Vin wakes in pain, not realizing she's in Clubs' shop until she notices Les the is watching over her. The boy, who says Kelsier changed his name to Spook, runs to fetch Dachshund. Vin learns she's been asleep for two weeks, but that Kelsier is fine. Kelsier is there the next time she wakes. He apologizes for nearly getting her killed, and they discuss how to continue the job from here. When she's a little better a few days later, she finally returns to Mansion Renew. She finds Sazed there and asks how he managed to save her from the Inquisitors. Is he an Alamancer? He explains that, no, he's not, but there is something mysterious and magical about the Terrace Keepers, something the Lord Ruler fears and has tried to eliminate through strict breeding programs. He shows her the book he found with her when he rescued her, and explains that he's translating it. They talk about Kelsier and the possibility that it was his wife who betrayed him on his last job. Chapter 17 Vin has tea with Lord Renew in the garden balcony. She's recovering from her injury. She's been recovering from her injuries for weeks now, and she's bored senseless. She's excited when Kelsier, Breeze, Yeadon, and Dachshund arrive. She badgers them for information about the job. They say recruitment is slow, but that they feel they've almost got Marsh into the ministry. Sazed comes in to tell them about the book, a journal of the Lord Ruler's journey just before his ascension. Then they tell Vin about an upcoming ball. She's excited at the prospect as she itches to be useful again. Later, Vin contemplates her place on the crew and her status as a Mistborn. She sees Kelsier on the garden balcony and joins him there. He tells her that the world was much different before the Lord Ruler took over. His late wife always said so, and he still loves her despite her apparent betrayal. He still can't believe she did it, but the Lord Ruler himself said she did when he captured them. Anyway, it was the trauma of her death that caused Kelsier to snap as an Alamancer. He implies that he sees Vin as a daughter and asks her to be careful. Chapter 18. Vin wears a red dress to the ball at Keep Alarial. She's no sooner reached her table than Ellen Venture joins her there with a huge stack of books. They banter a bit, but as soon as Ellen steps away to get a drink, Sazed tells Vin he's probably using her to annoy his family. When Ellen returns, Vin tries to ignore him, but that only intrigues him more. He asks her about her home, specifically the ska there. She tries to answer as a noblewoman might, until eventually Ellen loses interest and returns to his book. Vin manages to catch a young man's eye to get him to dance. She tells him Ellen is a family friend, like a brother. Ellen seems slightly offended when she tells him as much later, 
but it seems to have worked as more men ask her to dance after that. When she returns to her table, exhausted from dancing so much, says it has gone to dinner, and Ellen is not there either, though he's left his books. She looks through one, something on politics, until a terrorist steward summons her to Shan Alarial's table. Shan, who thinks entirely too highly of herself and needs a good slap in the face, tells Vin she'll be spying on Lord Ellen for her. Vin thinks Shan is actually a soother, but before she can take it all in, she sees Shan's steward back at her own table, snooping through Ellen's books. She comes up with a BS reason to excuse herself and return to her table to stop him. She looks more closely at the books, finding one she's sure would get Ellen in trouble with the Lord Ruler for questioning his ways. She plays it cool when Ellen comes back to get his books. Shortly thereafter, Sazed returns and says they should leave too. As they wait for their carriage, Vin sees a scuffle out in the mist, clear to her tin-enhanced eyes. One of the house guards drags off a ska boy for misbehaving and brutally kills him, slaughtered like an animal. Vin is shocked at the brutality of it. She knows the nobility will do the same to her if she's caught. That's all I've got for my notes. Okay. So, first off, um, Dave has asked that we include that he has a theory, even though he can't be here today, that the italicized texts are excerpts from the book that Vin found. Uh, and he goes on to say that uh, he came up with that as he was reading the intro to chapter 18. So Yes. So that is Dave's theory. Um, Good theory, Dave. Yeah, not bad. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Um, next up, sort of working backwards, um, the kid who was slaughtered there, like that yeah. that whole little little ska murder scene. Um, that to me seems like a pretty solid vindication of Kelsier's whole deal. Right. Like, um, just just based on that one scene he's absolutely right to go on his rampages and to enjoy them. Like, it's pretty messed up that he does, and that's, man, that is a messed up character thing for, for like, one of our protagonists in this book. Um, but if that's, if that's how the world is, then I can't really fault him for that. Um, continuing to work backwards, Ellen. Uh, yeah, pretty sure he is totally bothering Vin to annoy his family, like, at least as a, as a primary reason. There may be other stuff going on there, but yeah, he's, he's he's just being irritating. Surely to start with, but I, I do think that changes. Not yet, though, I don't think. No, not yet. Um, what else do we have non-spoilery? Um, oh yeah. Vin's excuse to go back to her table is clearly BS. Everyone who hears it knows it. She knows it as she's saying it and realizes that like she just couldn't come up with anything better. Vin is not a great liar on the spot. At least not there. Uh, what else happened? Oh, um, what's our timeline? Like, th- the job right. is set for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um... We have some amount of time between finding out the plan and Vin goes to her first ball. I don't know exactly how long, but there's there's a decent amount of time there. I, I seem to recall, and I, I could be wrong, but I seem to recall that it was four months. 
Okay. Something like four months or 12 weeks. I don't know why that's stuck in my head, but maybe because it's actually in the book. Okay. Uh, don't quote me on that. So three or four months for her first ball. And then yes. she immediately gets injured and can't go yeah. to another one for another two to three months. Right. So, so. it says, because she was asleep for two weeks, and then it was another almost a week before she was well enough to go back to the mansion. And my notes just say she's been recovering for weeks at the mansion when she's bored enough to want to go to the next ball. So um, Ellen actually mentions that it's been, I want to say like three months since, yes, since the last ball. He gets on to her for missing months between balls. Yeah. So that puts us at what, like six months into the plan? Yeah, I think that's a fair estimation. Wow, way to way to drop the ball, Vin. Pun intended. Like six months in, and she's only been to two of these balls. Dang. And uh, six months in, and they don't even have Marsh installed in the ministry yet. Also, dang. Yeah. This is this is a slow burn of a plan, apparently. Uh, all right, you got anything non-spoilery, or should we just jump straight to straight to the interesting part? I think we can go ahead and jump to the interesting part. Okay. Uh, spoiler time. Here's spoilers. Don't continue listening if you don't want spoilers. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right. Um, so you had said um, before we started this episode that you have a lot of Cosmere stuff that you would like to discuss. Yes. Uh, yes, starting off, sorry, starting off, is there anything Mistborn related that you want to jump into first? I don't know. Uh, let me let me go through the, the things as I have them in order in my notes. Um, so since the last time I've been on, because I've, I've missed because of work and stuff, uh, since then, I have finished Oathbringer, so I am now entirely caught up on all Cosmere stuff that is out that is published right now have you read both uh white sands yep okay i haven't read white sands part two yet totally caught up and so after i got totally caught up uh i listened to the back episodes of our podcast the cosmere deep dive podcast um even though i hate the sound of my own voice and can't get over the thought that it sounds like somebody else is saying all of the things I said because it doesn't sound like me. Anyway, so I listened to the back episodes and I feel like I got a lot more out of them. So let's talk about thoughts that I have had. Yes, let's. Uh, so in, uh, we're going back to Elantris now. In, um, you might remember that in the Elantris episodes, the big question I had was, could an Elantrian learn to make an Aeon based on another country? Because as they get farther from Aralon, their powers get weaker. And you assured me that that wasn't possible, but you couldn't explain to me why. I understand now. 
<laughs> so having finished Oathbringer and spent entirely too much time on the copper mind reading about shards and um, investiture and, and things like that. It all comes down to when devotion and dominion were um, defeated and their power was dumped into the cognitive realm. It was mixed together. Yes. So from what I'm finding in the copper mind, it's um, when you're using the power on cell, you are using a combination of devotion and dominion. And it's the dominion aspect that ties it to the land that you're from. And so also it, that the cognitive realm actually does tie into like different spatial areas where the spiritual realm is everywhere all the time. Well, I don't know anything about that, and I'm not going to speculate on it until I've done more research, but fair enough. The, your use of the power on cell is tied to your identity, which is tied to your location. So the dominion aspect of the power means that it's tied to where you're from. And so on further reflection, I do not think it would be possible for an Elantrian to learn how to make an Aeon based on another place because they're not from that place. So it, it would make no difference. Um, like their power is going to diminish as they get farther from where they're from just because they're not where they're from anymore. Sort of, but not really. Um, there's There's a baseline level of power that anywhere on the planet, an Elantrian making an Aeon would have this effect. The difference here is that the closer they are to the city of Elantris, because it is itself a giant power-boosting Aeon, the more powerful they get as they get closer to it. So, you're on the other side of the planet, you make an Aeon, it does its thing. You're halfway around the planet, but still far enough away from Elantris that you're not getting a benefit, it still does that same thing. But as you get closer and you start getting within like the range of its of its boost, then things get more powerful. So the diminished returns that we're seeing when at the end of the book when he's trying to do Aeondor in Teod. Right. That's that's the default level. Yes. That is that is how powerful an Aeon was before the city of Elantris was built. Anyway. So everything we're seeing in Elantris is like Super Saiyan mode. Yep. Andrew left a comment on our Facebook page that says, The breaking required to use Cosmere magic systems is always a spiritual realm occurrence. The spirit web has to be cracked to allow the connection to be formed, passing the external source of investiture into the user's spirit web. In Allomancy, you snap, so preservation can pass you fuel when you burn a metal through the spiritual realm. In Roshar, you snap so that your spirit web becomes cracked enough to allow your spirit to literally fuse with the spirit web of the spren you bond. This is why breaking the bond kills the spren, as they have literally rearranged their soul to fit with the users. Also, other than Dominion and Devotion, whose investiture was stuffed into the cognitive realm to become the door after Odium killed them, the remaining 14 shards, or 13 if Harmony counts as one, have the bulk of their power located in the spiritual realm. No shard is primarily physical or cognitive. And I just wanted to say that Andrew is 100% correct on those things. But Mike, you feel like what he's saying is not related to what we were saying in 
I think it was episode 13? Uh, 13 or 14. We went over um, some of the same material, like, twice, because right, Greg because wasn't there for 13, and I wanted to go over it with him there during 14. Um, anyway, the... Yeah. What we were talking about um, was a theory that Craig had found on Reddit um, regarding the intents of the various shards and sort of filtering them through the um, like the same way that like the metals are 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 defined in uh, in Alamancy. So there are you know four quadrants: physical, mental. Uh, temporal and enhancement and then you know pushing pulling internal external um, and like the 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 idea of this is that when Brandon published Elantris he didn't have like the full the full workings of the Cosmere worked out um, but by the time he did uh, Mistborn he he did so it's not a huge leap to jump from he knows how all the workings work in Mistborn to the workings of the of the shards and the Cosmere as a whole relate pretty heavily to the way that Mistborn works, the way that, that Alamancy works. Um, and then from there, the theory goes on to say that um, you can basically take each of these shardic intents and break them down into first... Um, one of these four quadrants, physical, mental, enhancement, temporal, um, and then internal versus external. So um, doing something for themselves versus doing something for others, um, and then pushing versus pulling. So having a net positive effect, having a net negative effect. Like cultivation, I think, ended up being an external... I should look this up, but I think it was like an external mental pulling. You know, I think I saved that Reddit thread, so let me uh, look over there. BRB. And Reddit's still broken for me, so that's cool. Uh, But basically, um, that, like, cultivation, uh, their whole thing is to improve others by removing things. Like, improve others... Actually, it might be enhancement is where that fell down. I don't know. I don't remember exactly like which quadrant, but I feel like I've pretty. I feel like I have the the pushing, pulling, internal, external part right. Um, but yeah, that was that was what we were talking about. Was was the shardic intense? Not not that their um that any of their powers are not in the spiritual realm. Like we didn't even talk about spiritual, cognitive, physical realm. Like, that that didn't even enter into it. Okay, so if I if I found the correct Reddit thread, it's uh, Shard Speculation Based on Alamancy by user Shagamir. So he's got a little, he's got a whole chart of his speculations on where the different shards fall into pushing, pulling, internal, external. Um, and it's very interesting. Uh, he, he's guessing on the six shards that we don't know about based on how those intents might fit into this chart that he's made. And so it's, it's really interesting. And if you're listening to this, you could go look at it. Um, Unless Reddit is broken for you too. 
but right. <laughs> it's, it's working for me. But um, going back to Andrew's comment, I, I suspect that uh, one of the things that he wanted to point out to us is that when we were talking about um, how you become an Elantrian and now as we're going to be talking about how you become an Alamancer, um, the, uh, the snapping that you have to do, uh, when we described that, we described it as a physical breaking. Uh, versus we described the Elantrian one as a social breaking. Right. And, and so I feel like what Andrew is saying is, no, no, we're wrong because uh, it's all a spiritual breaking. And he is 100% correct that it is a spiritual breaking. We're just saying that we speculate that it was the physical trauma of snapping right, that, that caused that. Right. Uh, so we don't mean it, you know, as like physical realm versus cognitive realm versus spiritual realm. Like we're just using the word physical to describe physical trauma. Uh, for example, Kelsier, when he snaps and it says this in the chapters that we read for this week, uh, that that was, that was a, a mental, like a psychological trauma, his snapping. Uh, it was the, um, the heartbreak over his wife's death that caused him to snap. So while most of the Alamancers that we see um, have undergone some physical trauma inherent in their snapping, it it is all in the spiritual web, like the spirit web. Uh, It is your spirit that breaks that causes the investiture to work. So, um, so even though we might be using the wrong vocabulary because like, I, I'm new to the Cosmere stuff. I have been in, involved in this for less than a year, and I've only just finished all of the canon books and have not yet delved into all of the 17th Shard forums and the Word of Brandon's. I, you know, I've looked at a lot of it, but I am nowhere near the bottom of it yet. So I, I do apologize if we use the wrong vocabulary on our podcast, but, um, Our hearts are in the right place, I promise. Okay, so, yes. Breaking is always a spiritual realm occurrence. It's the spirit web, which um, BT-dubs is a, at the moment, still just a uh, a fan terminology, kind of like shard pools. Uh, We don't have an in-universe term for it yet that I know of. Um, I'm sure one will show up eventually, Maybe in uh, um, uh, Stormlight 4, Yasna will go on and tell a bunch of people about it. Um, anyway, yes, it's it's less... We were talking less about the, like, the end result and more about the methodology to get there and how it appears to be different on each of these worlds. Um, Kelsier, obviously, is a bit of an exception to the norm on Scadrial. Um, but, I mean, even then, didn't didn't he get the crap beaten out of him at the same time because, like, he tried to stop it? I seem to remember something about that. We'll get there. Um, yeah, I seem to remember that, too. It was not mentioned in this week's chapters, so that's something that we can keep an eye out for uh, when we read farther on. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
appreciate the comment. Appreciate you listening. Uh, all the stuff you said was right. Not necessarily entirely relevant. Uh, all right. What else you got? Uh, so now we can get back to this week's chapters. I actually printed out the annotations. And so there were a couple of things that I wanted to um, look at in those. Um, so Brandon points out that this uh, chapter 16, when Ven is talking to Sazed, is um, the first time we learn about... Um, that says it is a eunuch and we learn about the, um, the breeding programs and how the terrorist men are treated. And given what we know about the Lord ruler later, I think that's very subtly done. That the terrorist men are overall treated as second class citizens compared to the Ska's third class. Um, but they're also, uh, with a couple of very specific exceptions, um, have significantly less freedom and also are um, eunuched, castrated. Right. Well, it's um, when they talk about the breeding programs, it's kind of secondary to just the way the terrorist men are treated overall. Just the fact that the fair chemists are the biggest threat to the Lord Ruler's unquestioned rule, um, and, and that he is trying to specifically keep down the fair chemist. Just um, well, it's, it's less Farukami and more Farukami combined with Alamancy. Um, right. The, the combination of those two is the threat. And he did an excellent job of, you know, keeping that from ever happening in his lifetime. Good job, Lord Ruler. You you did it. It didn't matter, but you did it. Um, yeah, I don't know that there's too terribly much we can go on about that here. Did you have did you have more on that no. or I just liked that note. Okay. What else, you got? what else I found in the annotations. Um, so in one of the chapters, in chapter 18, Brandon mentions um, that the Ilarial ballroom is uh, like he, he just created that in his head. It's not based on a real place. Um but he does say that Keep Venture and Lecal are uh, both based on real places. And I couldn't find in any of the annotations for the past chapters what they're supposed to be based on. Uh, I did find when I found the, the cool uh, Lego site, um, the guy on there mentions that it's in the annotations for, um, I think it was Hero of Ages. Um, anyway, it's later. When uh, Brandon mentions that Keep Venture is uh, based off of the uh, cathedral in DC, um, I don't know what Keep Lee Cal is based off of. <laughs> now I'm kind of curious. Um, let's look. Copper Mind Keep Lecal. Oh, redirects to House Lecal. And I, I, I didn't actually check the Copper Mind for Keep Lee Cal when I um, when I read the annotations for Chapter 18, and I thought, oh, Keep Venture is based on a real place. I wonder which one. And I went to the Copper Mind, uh, and Keep Venture, of course, redirects to House Venture. 
and it's not mentioned anywhere. So I was like, oh, really let me down there, Coppermind. Yeah. But it is later in the annotations, like two and a half books later, <laughs> that uh, Brandon gets around to mentioning what it is based on. Um, according to the Coppermind, the only thing we have here is House Lacal had a wonderful keep in Luthadel. Their ballroom was shaped like a pyramid, and their nobles bragged that they had the most detailed stained glass windows. That's it. That's all there is. Um, I will try to keep an eye out for that when I read through annotations, which I don't get to every week. Um, But yeah, I don't remember. I'm just going over to the annotations to see if that was in there. I know he mentioned that one of the keeps was based off of um, an LDS temple, um, but I don't think it was Keep Lecal. I could be wrong. Give me a minute. Okay, I found it. So it was Keep Oriel is the one based on uh, the LDS temple. Um, so he mentions Keep Lecal in chapter 18. Maybe when we go to Keep Lecal later, we'll see in the annotations what it's based on. But now I'm curious. <laughs> All right, so you you did finish Oathbringer, which yes, is, yes I did. Man, that's a lot of a book. I know it was huge, and the uh, Sanderson Avalanche at the end was it was pretty far from the end. I I had to read straight through for <laughs> hours. Basically, the uh, entirety of part five is right? is Avalanche territory. <laughs> so um. Very well done, Brandon. Very well done. Um, loved it. Love, love, love. Just okay. First off, we get lift comes back. I enjoyed Edge Dancer. I know some people say that, um, like like you said earlier, people either really like lift or they're wrong. Yes, <laughs> I I agree one hundred percent. I love Lyft. I, I love that she keeps calling Dalinar tight butt. Uh, I like her sort of, you know, buddy cop um, interaction with uh, Zeth. Yes, they go so well together. And um, with Nightblood thrown in the mix, it's... Um, yes. Um, I did wonder why uh, Zeth never... Or he may have right at the end. I, I'm not quite done with my reread. Um, like, why he was only using Nightblood and not, you know, the Spren he bonded as as a Shardblade, considering that Nightblood did a very good job of almost killing him. Well, I, I think it's likely that he hasn't learned how to do that yet, uh, because it was... Like, Kaladin and Syl were bonded for a while before he ever started summoning her as a shard blade. Hmm. Maybe. Is is the, the shard blade part related to later oaths? I hmm. Um I don't I mean, know my, that off the top of my head. It it definitely changes, like different orders have have different, you know, levels they have to reach before they get different things. Right. Um for example, the light weavers only have to do the first oath. Well, and, uh, technically theirs is the second oath. Well, right, but... Um, the first truth. Yes. Um, yeah. But, I mean, Zeth is used to 
being able to summon an, a at least an honor blade. So I would think that that like some of that would carry over. Well, um, honor blade is um, it's it's an inanimate object. Like with a spren, you actually have to have a a relationship with your spren. And he doesn't like ever. Like I didn't even realize he had a spren. I thought Nightblood was was filling that role because Nightblood is basically a robot spren. Um, until like right at the end when I believe it actually you know shows his spren and they talk for a minute I think. But ugh, I don't know. I don't I'm know. I'm a little confused by. There was a lot to take in there, so yeah. um, I did uh, after I finished. Uh, decide that my next book that I'm reading is uh, The Way of Kings again. And um, so Are you following it up with, Ro- with Warbreaker? Yes. Yes, I am. Ooh. And um, already getting so much more out of it. Um, so I have learned a lot. Um, what else? What else was going on in like the end of Oathbringer? Um well, I've, had, I've had thoughts at various um, points, but I'm trying to sort of bring it all together. Um, so it really feels like, just from what we've seen, um, Windrunners are the only ones with like really, really tight constraints on what they're allowed to do and not do. Um, just based on like Yasna straight up murdering four dudes in an alley, um, which... Apparently, to do that, she had to convince them to let her kill them. And considering how tough it was for Shallon to uh, turn a stick into fire, I mean, admittedly, that was that was the stickiest stick who ever sticked, uh, as evidenced by the uh, the April Fool's release. Did you did you read that one? No. Oh. Uh, I can probably pull it up for you. Oh, hey, Stick has a Coppermine entry. Fabulous. I'll be sure to look that up later. It's very good. Uh, I'm going to throw it in spoilers because if Dave clicks on it, he won't understand what's going on. Okay. There we go. Uh, Yeah. Stick is a confirmed member of the organization's Bark and Bite, the former being worse than the latter. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Thank you, Coppermind. Oh my goodness. That might be my good... No, it can't be my good thing next week because it's spoilery. <laughs> but that's fantastic. So I did share with you that uh, I, I have a Pinterest account, and on my Pinterest account I have a board dedicated to Cosmere fan art. And um, so one of the ones that I found recently was... Um, a picture of Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's sitting at a table with the stick, and their conversation is, I am Groot. I am a stick. <laughs> yes. So that, that tickled me. Enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, I need to know more about Yasna. I, it's, it's very important to me that I learn more about Yasna like, what was going on while she was in the Cognitive Realm? Uh, what are her oaths? What's what's her deal? Because she's a major character who's gotten a ton of screen time and nothing. Like, we get nothing. Well, we did get, um, like, she is occasionally a point of view. 
Um, Who doesn't ever think about her night radianting or her O's. Maybe that comes later. Maybe we get flashbacks of her the same way we got flashbacks of uh, Dalinar and and company. Yeah, apparently she's on the list. Um, Like, each of the ten books is supposed to be sort of focused on um, one of our like order one one the major member of our of of our night radiant order um which you know so far we've had windrunner lightweaver and bondsmith um i believe the next one planned is um why am i blanking on her name the the parshendi who died at the end of book 2 after going all voidbringer wa completely blanking on this and then her sister sort of took over her spot. Sister's name is Venley, but we're not getting hers. We're getting... Do you got anything for me here? The Parshendi is named Venley. That's the sister. What about the other one? Ashenai? Ashenai. There we go. Ashenai. Ashenai with an E. Ashenai. That's who I was trying to think of. Yes. Um, but she's my, dead. Huh? She's dead. Yes, she is. Uh, she is still, to the best of my knowledge, going to be our flashback viewpoint character in the next book, as it is currently planned. Obviously, plans can change. Uh, the High Prince of War was the original title for the second book, uh, which was supposed to be Dalinar-focused, but um, Brandon changed his mind and decided to go with Shallan. And so, yeah, things could change. Yes, uh, each of the orders has their primary member getting a a focus book. Um, my guess is for uh, for the Eshenai book, we'll get Venli. Um, Venli's POV for like current stuff, and then Eshenai's POV for like flashback stuff, which will I mean should deal with a lot of what Venli is dealing with. Also, that would be my guess anyway. Um, but yeah, that's that's sort of how Stormlight's supposed to go. Which means uh, the second half, the back half, we should probably get like a Renarin chapter, or not a Renarin chapter, a Renarin book. Um, we should probably get, I wonder if we're going to get a Lift book or an, why am I blanking on names, Adolin book. Because... We all know that Adolin is 100% going to be uh, an edge dancer because he's going to bring oh, yeah. his Spren back to life. Spren is going to come back to life because the only reason people say it can't be done is because it hasn't been done. Mm-hmm. And there's all Absolutely. sorts of stuff happening in in Stormlight that like hasn't ever happened before. My cat's being crazy. He just like jumped up onto the couch and now he's got crazy eyes and he's like glancing all over the place like like something's about to eat him or he's going to start kung fu fighting or I don't know. This cat's a psycho. Maybe he's an answer. Um, anyway, yes. I wonder if we're going to get a lift book or if we're going to get an um, Adolin book. I'm kind of leaning I'm kind of leaning toward Adolin just because we got a, a lift you know, novella already. Yeah. Um, but of course our, our primary, um, our primary 
member of each order can change. Like, Renarin was apparently supposed to die during Oathbringer, but he didn't. But that doesn't mean he won't die during the next one. Yeah. Um, and considering that, like, one of the main themes of uh, Stormlight Archive is dead brothers, um, yeah, it might it might go down that way. Or Adolin might die. We don't know. We don't know. Um, I'm I'm guessing that the end of book five is going to go very very badly. Like, right, because there's there's supposed to be a big gap between book five and book six. Um, my understanding is the current plan is it's going to be like a ten year in universe gap. Um, but again, and until it's published, like all of this stuff is up in the air. Um. Brandon, generally speaking, doesn't lie to us, uh, but he can be wrong. He can change his mind. Um, well, that's changing his mind is not the same thing as being wrong. I mean, he can do both. Um, he can, you know, spend a year writing Stormlight 6 and realize at the end that it's just not working and he needs to scrap the idea and start from scratch. Like with the Apocalypse Guard. Um, yeah, um, and we still have a couple of orders that we don't have an actual member from yet. Right. Um, I believe the Herald, uh, Talm is, is sort of our stand-in for whatever order he is. Uh, one second, Night Radiant, Coppermind, Stone Wards. Like, he's our stand-in for the Stone Wards at the end of Oathbringer. Um, so, Zeth is our Skybreaker. Um, there's that one person, that one girl who's with uh, the... Wow, I can't words. The Dustbringer. What's her face? Yeah, I don't with, remember with, her name. With Teravangian. Works she, for Teravangian. Yeah, she doesn't do much yet. Um, but apparently the Dustbringers are sort of all about, you know, bucking the, uh, the status quo, as it were. So her joining up with an anti-Dalinar, um, organization, secret society, I guess is, is pretty par for the course for them. Uh, let's see. Will Shaper is, um, that's Venley. Stoneward is town, so we don't have a real one. Uh, and then Renarin is our truth watcher, except he's not a real tr truth watcher because he has a corrupted spren. And everything there is weird. So so is the corrupted spren going to get better? Is uh, that another one of those things that hasn't happened before that could happen? I don't know. I don't know that it needs to get better. Um, I mean, the... The unmade, Jesus, I'm, I am not doing well with terminology today. Uh, the, the super odium spren. Is that the unmade? Yeah, those are the unmade. Okay. Uh, the one that does the corrupting is apparently, like, anti-odium at this point. So, like, just cause a spren is corrupted doesn't necessarily mean that it's not still on the side of the good guys. I don't know. Not that that tracks. Yeah. Um, and then 
Like, the Oath Gates are... Some of them are corrupted, some of them aren't yet. I'm not sure that that'll actually matter. Like, it might... It might just change that, like, from a corrupted Oathgate, you can only go to and from the Cognitive Realm, which basically makes them slightly more accessible um, perpendicularities, uh, versus, you know, the traditional ones that go to Urethiru and back, which, I mean, both of those are fairly handy things. Um, Blup. What else was there? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, Windrunner, Skybreaker, Dustbringer, Edge Dancer, Truth Watcher, Lightweaver, Elsecaller, Will Shaper, Stoneward, Bondsmith. And we've seen mm. most of those, but we still don't have a proper Stoneward. No. And if Nail is to be believed, uh, Talon is not a Stoneward. Um, he can't be, because Nail was the only one who actually joined his own order. Yeah. Um, so he, he still has the powers of a stone ward though. Like that's where the, um, I'm trying to remember. Um, so each of the orders was based on the powers of the heralds. Right. And but the heralds got their powers from their honor blades. I thought. Yes. And town right. doesn't have his honor blade. Oh, um, neither, uh, does Dalinar and company. Because Talon's Honor Blade was swapped out for a different Shard Blade um, between the end of Book 1 and the start of Book 2. Right. And, yeah, stuff is screwy. Uh, it's almost certainly various, uh, at least one of the million and a half secret societies on Roshar, which, holy crap... Guys, you got you got to deal with your secret society issue. Yes, Roshar needs a secret society intervention. That's that's just how it is. Or at least a directory with like charts and arrows pointing at things. Um, which Hoyd actually apparently is the founder of. Um, on various worlds, there are various um, groups of people that go by. Names similar to Worldbringer, World Singer, things of that of that sort, and have you know similar focuses. So if we get to another world and there's a you know World Clinger organization, uh, that's probably Hoyd's doing. We'll know who to blame. World Dinger. Uh, what else? What else rhymes with that? That that could be conceivably the thing. Mm. Bringer, singer, singer. <laughs> I, th I think Hoyd would like that name. I think he'd use it. I don't think anyone else in the organization would use it. Right. But I think he would. He's over there insisting, no, no, the world fingers. <laughs> Everybody in the organization is like, that's not our name. <laughs> we're, we're just, we're the information folks. No, 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 world fingers. Do you have anything else uh, now that you are caught up on on the Cosmere that you wanted to bring up, maybe from your notes? Uh, yeah, I've got a whole bunch of stuff, but we've been talking for an hour already, so I'm going to save it. All right, give us give us one to, to take us out on. Okay, well, we have talked about how um, 
Sazed currently holds ruin and preservation and that together it's one shard now. Yes. But I did find as I was searching the copper mind, a word of Brandon that says if Sazed died, he would drop two. Uh, so really? even though while he's holding them, yeah, um, I, I should have saved it, but I, my understanding of Word of Brandon on that was that he would drop one. Um, so there was a Word of Brandon where someone was like, how many shards are on Scadriel right now? And his answer was two, that he is referring to ruin and preservation. He still considers them two. So that was one of the things. Hmm. And let me see if I can find that. Real quick. Yeah, I'd be interested to read that. But, you know, since I have to use push to talk... If I'm going to another website, then I can't talk, so. Okay. Okay, so uh, at the, if you look up shard on the copper mind, and you go down to the, the footnotes, and there is a link to a, um, a word of Brandon um, that says, if Seiza died, he would drop one shard, and that shard would be Harmony. But... If you look at the Coppermind entry for Adenalsium, in the footnotes there is a link to a word of Brandon that someone asked how many shards are on Scadrial, and he says two, because Ruin and Preservation are two shards. Then the question is, when were these words of Brandon stated? I'm looking for I'm in the notes. Uh, was Hoyt at the Shattering 16 shards? Blah, blah, blah. Stuff, stuff, stuff. So it was in 2013 that he said Sazed would drop one shard at Harmony. And in 2015 is when he says there are two shards on Scadrill. These aren't in order. Uh, wow, there's a lot. Yeah, the 2013 quote is from a Reddit AMA. And the 2015 quote is from the Shadows of Self tour. Um, okay. As of Shadows of Self, how many shards are there on Scadrial? Nervous laugh. There are two. Harmony counts as two shards. I do mean it that way, and I am giving you clarification so you don't all freak out. Okay. I'm not convinced that these contradict each other. With, with the way he clarified that. So, like, a similar way to say that would be that... Adenalsium pre-shattering was 16 shards might be the way that he's intending that. So Okay. Well, I'm I'm looking at it as um Yeah, it could definitely go the other way and I'm and I'm like reading this wrong, but I'm thinking that those don't necessarily contradict. Uh well, he talks about how um like even though Sazed has two shards um there's not a different word for what he is, um, because, like, if if someone is the king of two kingdoms, he's still just a king. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I don't know, I, was, I had something there, but I can't figure out how to articulate it. Um, if the king of two kingdoms dies, you might end up with one king taking his place, but you could just as easily end up with two kings or a whole lot of kings. Uh, you know, if Adenalsium was shattered into 16 pieces, there's, and we already have a precedent for those shards being shattered into multiple pieces, then 
who's to say what would happen in the event of Sazed's death? Well, Brandon is. Brandon is to say what would happen. Yeah, in the event. He, he's the one to say. <laughs> we are not to say. Ours is not to question why. <laughs> ours well, is but to read books. Ours is to question why. That's that's sort of the point of what we're doing here. Yeah, but the people on the 17th Shard Forums have already done all the questioning, and we're just repeating it and apparently getting it wrong and making them angry. I'm sorry, Andrew. Um, all right. Uh, I feel like that's about all we've got today. <laughs> all right. Uh, goodbye, Internet. <laughs> goodbye, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.